I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. It is November 2nd, and at this point, I am essentially living in my Scentlock, and I love it. Guys, uh, this is the most exciting time of the year. It is, um, the rut is kicking off. It is pre-rut, um, which in my opinion, this week, um, October 31st through like November 6th, 7th, in my opinion, that's the best time to kill a big buck um, because it's not quite full swing rut yet, um, but bucks are already chasing, getting up, moving around, seeking, uh, but they're not locked down with does, so they'll respond really good to decoys, really good to calls, um, really good to rattling, um, so you can really um, manipulate a deer the way you want to. In the next few weeks, you know, you, you get to mid-November, there's so many does in heat that there's nothing I can really do to pull that buck off that doe because, well, he's got a doe. So why does he need me? Um, so, uh, this is a really good time. So get out there in the woods and start hunting, start grunting, start rattling, using decoys. It's a fun time to be in the woods. I've got an exciting episode. I've got a good friend of mine, a fellow Razorback. Woo pig. Mr. Dan McLean from Arrow Junkie. How are you, man? I'm good, Dylan. How are you? Man, I am absolutely wonderful. It is yeah, a, you, could, you couldn't ask for a better time of year. That's what I was going to say. It's a good time of year right now, especially especially for all your you whitetail hunters, right? Yeah, you guys are done. Like that's what I love about out west. Like it's like September fifteenth, and everybody's like, "Well, that was a fun season." And I'm like, "What do you mean? I haven't even started yet. Like <laughs> we're just getting started." Yeah, you know the Colorado season goes. I mean, basically, it's the month of September. So yeah. Our elk hunting and mule deer hunting, bear hunting, all that stuff is pretty much over. If I want to go hunting, I got to go somewhere else now. Yeah. No, this is November is my favorite time of year by far. Um, you've got the whitetail rut. You still got college football going on now. College basketball is going on. So you've got anything you want to watch. Um, anything. I mean, it's just a phenomenal time to be alive. It's not too cold, not too hot. You know, it dips down into into the twenties, but you know, you still get 50 degree, nice days and just a fun time, man. I love November. Absolutely. I miss it. I miss being in Arkansas and Texas for, for hunting whitetail for sure, but I can't complain about living here. So, well, you know, you can come back, right? Yeah, absolutely. I got, I've got a Thanksgiving visit planned for Arkansas. So hopefully I'll get some hunting in while I'm there. Now, what part of Arkansas are you hunting in? Hot Springs. Hot Springs. Not far from my folks at all. 
Uh, so I'm there in Northwest Arkansas, just about 40 minutes from Fayetteville, um, which is where I hunt every year for Thanksgiving as well. Oh, um, nice. I absolutely love it, man. People are like, why do you get so excited to go to Arkansas? Um, you're leaving Kansas and going to Arkansas and, and sure, I'm not going to see the same quality bucks. Um, but it's just man hunting in the tall pines is just, it's yeah. gorgeous. You see a ton of deer. Ton of, ton of deer. <laughs> yeah. You'll see, you'll see 200 deer in a set. I mean, not, not really, but, uh, not realistically, but you could, um, uh, because the deer are so thick, man. There's so many deer and it's just a, I love hunting there. Yeah, me too. I miss it. I'll be glad to get back. Do you get a lot of bears in Hot Springs area? Uh, a few. On occasion, we'll see. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing real big or anything, but you know, yeah. occasionally we'll see them roll through. Gotcha. Now, before we jump in, uh, these these folks have heard me talk about Aero Junkie, um, coolest swag on planet Earth. Um, but uh, what was your mission, your goal behind Aero Junkie? Why'd you start it? Um, you know, I started Aero Junkie specifically to get more people into building their own arrows just to go out there and show everybody that it's not rocket science it's not that hard to do um you know it's and the the gains the the pluses from building your own arrows are tremendous there are so many things you can do to build quality arrows and make sure they fly straight and you know we'll get into some of that stuff i'm sure but just to let people know that man it's not hard to do everybody is uh, a little intimidated by it by especially a few aspects of it but it's it's easy it's it's yeah. really not hard just just breaking people in getting them started um then they find out it's 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 really not hard i mean that was the that was the ultimate goal to get people to just get started building their own arrows now before we jump in i it's kind of hard to do this episode in the middle of the rut because all we want to talk about is deer hunting however <laughs> Yeah. I do think this is an important time to do this episode for two reasons. People are buying new bows now. All the bows have been released and, and people are throwing bows out. So you're buying new bows. Uh, you're setting those bows up. So with the bow set up comes what arrow you're going to shoot out of that bow. Um, so I do believe it's a good time to go over some of these things because if you're not buying a new bow already, you're already looking at the bow you're going to buy. Um, sure. And if you're anything like me, the moment the new bows are released, you start planning out your build, like what you're going to do with that bow. Um, and with that comes arrows. So, um, you know, I don't have my, my, my new 2023, uh, yet my, my execute, uh, but I've already got the whole bow planned out. I know exactly what I'm going to be shooting. I know exactly what arrow I'm going to be shooting, what grain I'm going to be shooting. I know all of that stuff. So I've started mapping that out in my mind. So I do think it is a good time to go over this episode. I also think it's a good time to go over this episode because everybody's fired up about the whitetail rut. Everybody's getting ready to go out and kill a monster buck. And here's my pet peeve, Dan. We as hunters, we put so much thought into the cool stuff, like the bows, the sights, you know, our camo, um, the cool stuff. And I think a lot of people neglect their arrows. Um, when I agree hundred percent. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that contacts the animal. Right. No matter how cool your camo looks, no matter how bad to the bone your bow is, no matter what color strings you got on your bow or how fast your bow shoots, no matter if you're shooting a drop away or a whisker biscuit, no matter all of the other gear we can dive into, at the end of the day, the only thing that contacts that animal is your arrow. And, Absolutely. And the first thing to contact that animal that I feel gets even more neglected is your broadhead. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that. Don't don't even dare look at how sharp that is or how dull that is or dinged up <laughs> that is. That's a practice head for my recurve. So it gets. If you're handling it, if you're handling time. it like that, it can't be too sharp. Yeah, yeah. That that has been sent through my privacy fence four hundred seven times. Um. So, um. But but I think we just neglect the arrow and even more so the broadhead. Now, before I say this, Dan. You know my heart, um, but I got to make sure everybody else does. I'm not saying anything negative against uh, against expandables because I've got a package right here. I like expandables. I shoot expandables. However, I believe expandables has ruined us because they're promoted as shoot just like a field point, and so nobody even cares to tune their bows or practice with their broadheads. They buy a packet. They throw them on their arrows and they go hunting. They never shoot them. They never practice with them. They never sharpen them because they're marketed as pull them out of the package. They're going to shoot just like your broadheads or just like your field tips. So I believe that I'm a fan of mechanicals. I like mechanicals, especially for whitetails. However, um, I believe they've kind of ruined us. Um, So I do think this is a good time to go over this episode for those two very specific reasons. We're already planning out our next bows and you're thinking about all your gear, but sometimes you neglect the arrow. Well, it's funny you bring you bring that up because one of my pet peeves in this, you know, with what I'm trying to do is, you know, get, getting people into building arrows. And, you know, you've got to, there's, a, there's an initial cost. There's a setup cost, right? Just like with anything else, you're going to have to buy a few things to, to build your own arrows. You can literally get started building your own arrows for... 300 to $400. Now that's on the lower end with everything that includes a saw. Like you can literally have everything you need to build your own arrows. That price right there for whatever reason shocks people like, Oh, but it's so expensive. I'd rather just have the shop cut them. I'll buy them at the shop, have the shop cut them, whatever. It's so expensive to get in it, but you're going to drop $2,000 on a bow, a thousand dollars on camo. You know what I mean? So yeah, to your point, it it, you, you spend a bunch of money and get excited about all this other stuff. But the one, the most important part of the entire hunt, like you said, the only thing that actually contacts the animal is your arrow. And if you build solid arrows, you're in good shape, you know, so that, that minimal, that's a minimal investment as far as I'm concerned, when you compare it to everything else. Absolutely. It is. Um, which that, that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode, uh, because I am in the process of building my arrow building dojo. Um, I want to build, I used to, I, I still do. I still love building my own arrows. Um, and I still, still love fletching my own arrows and, and tuning, you know, you name it. Um, but I'm finally to the point where I'm like, okay, uh, cleaned out the garage and refinished the floor, painted the walls, bought some work benches. Um, really want to make, you know, my arrow building bow tuning, area my dojo um and so that's why i wanted to have you on here and just kind of talk you know what does a guy need um what 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 are the best practices so on and so forth so um before we jump in i uh i'm looking for i know i wrote it down dag nabbit (laughs) um just so everyone knows i said i said i've already planned out and mapped out my build for the execute um, the arrow that I will be shooting is the new rupture from deer crossing archery. Um, I absolutely f- have fallen in love with deer crossing archery. I've shot them for the better part of like 10 years. Um, been through two owners. Um, the new ones are the best, uh, no hard feelings if you're the old owners, but, um, 
I absolutely love their arrows. They just came out with a new rupture. Um, and that's what I'm going to be shooting. And it's going to be a meat missile at like 620. That's why I wrote it down. I think it was 620 grains. Wow. Um, you're going heavy. I like it. I am. Uh, here's why. Um, I've never cared about speed and I've always went a little heavy. Um, but now I'm like, okay, I don't want to shoot past 60 yards. I don't, I don't care to shoot past 60 yards. Um, so why not just go as heavy as I stinking can? Because I mean, you can get anything to fly good at, at 40 yards. You can, you can throw a thousand grains out there at 40 yards. Um, so why not just go as heavy as I can and just literally knock the deer off their feet? Um, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, at, I think it was 620, but I'm, I, I can't find my, uh, my paper that I wrote it out on it's somewhere in here. Um, but yeah, so that's what, that's the, the, the arrow that I'm going to be building first, um, at this in my dojo, um, nice. is that, is that rupture from deer crossing archery. Now, um, you said three to 400 bucks. That's, that's probably bare minimum. I yeah, would, that's on the low end for say. sure. Um, so bare minimum, what does a guy need to start building his own arrows? Well, you know, everybody gets intimidated by the saw thing. So we can leave the saw out in the beginning and we can say, you know, as long as you've got a shop, when you, when you go buy your arrows, if you're buying them from a shop or if you buy them online, a lot of the guys, a lot of, I'll cut them for you. Like if you buy arrows from me, if you buy bear shafts from me, you get them cut for free. You tell me, you know, carbon to carbon length and I'll cut them all for you. So that's free. So you can get them cut before you, before they get to you, you know, one way or the other. So we'll leave that out right now. So, you know, the, you need an arrow spinner. A spinner is, is super important. You need a squaring device. Uh, again, really important. Those two things are, are super important. Um, you know, you're going to need a fletching device, some kind of fletching jig, uh, and you're going to need some glues. And basically with that, just that minimal amount and that right there, I mean, you know, 150 bucks. 200 bucks maybe yeah. you've got everything you need ex with with the exception of the saw the saw is that i mean i know for a fact you've got a spinner on your website for like 14 bucks right yeah a spinner and a, and a square that are 14 15 bucks each and you know and then, they're they're super simple but they get the job done that's all you need yeah and everybody knows i am a huge fan of boning um let me pull this up real quick boning has jigs for you know yeah, and I sell boning jigs too. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. I'm I'm going to your website to see how much they are. Yeah, so you can, I mean, you can grab, you know, on the inexpensive side, I sell jigs for 40, 45 bucks. And then, you know, on the expensive side, you can get up to the the higher end boning or the Bitsenberg and, you know, spend 110, 120 bucks. Yeah. Um, but anywhere in between there. Absolutely. Just, just depending on what you want to do. Now, see, I'm a fan of, and I've I've said this about you several times. I'm a fan of people that not only encourage me to do something, but A, they give me the tools and the resources to do it. That's why I'm a huge fan of boning. Uh, because boning isn't just like, well, here's your veins. It's like, well, here's your veins. Here's the jigs. Here's the glue. Here's the wrap. Here's everything you need to do it. Um, same with you. You don't just say, hey, guys, you should build your own arrows. But you say, hey, here's the tools. Here's the resources. Here's the know-how. You put out videos on how-to. Here's everything you need to do it. Um, it's one thing to say, hey, guys, it's really cool to build your own errors. You should do that. But it's another thing to say, hey, 
whether your budget is for the boning pro class jig at twenty nine ninety nine or the bits and burger at one at one ten, um, you know wherever you're looking to get started, we can get you building your own arrows. Um, might I just say too the the cauldron jig uh, from boning, which is on your website at one fifty, um, that for a beginner is like hands down incredible. Um, put all three veins in, flip them up. You just fletch your own arrows. Um, it's, it's incredible. So no matter what your budget is, you can start building your own arrows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it, it is honestly, it's minimal expense compared to everything else, you know, that you buy for, for bow hunting or for hunting in general. And, you know, when we, when we move over and start talking about a saw, the intimidating part, the most expensive part that scares everybody away um, you know, depending like right now I'm out of stock, we've talked about this, but you know, I have saws for basically 160 bucks up to, you know, close to $300 and there are more expensive saws out there. I don't carry them, but you could, I mean, there's last chance archery sells has a saw for, you know, six, $700. So you can, you can go super expensive, but you know, you can also get started relatively inexpensively. Um, and I think there's two things that, that scare people about the saw. One is it is the most expensive part of it. Again, if you put that cost and you compare it to anything else you buy for hunting, it's really not expensive. But the other thing is it's just intimidating. People are, are you know, they don't want to cut their arrows because they haven't, they've never done it before. They think it's hard. Um, you know, and that's why I put out the videos and stuff to let her, you know, show everybody that it's, it's not that hard. It's really not. Well, I think what, what got me, um, you know, having worked in a bow shop for a few years and, uh, building arrows uh, in that capacity, you, you build the arrows and then you push them out the door. Now being on the backside, if I need arrows cut, especially here's my big pet peeve. If you're a traditional shooter and you're tuning your bow by trimming your arrows um, and you don't have a saw, there's something wrong. Uh, yeah, because here's what happens. If I go to a bow shop, they cost me, they charge me 50 cents a cut, maybe up to a dollar a cut. I mean, sometimes it's crazy. Um, I had one bow shop charge me a dollar seventy-five a cut, yeah. um, which is just outrageous. I mean, if you take in, uh, you know, I at that point I took in uh, a dozen and a half arrows times a dollar seventy-five. I spent thirty-two dollars on cuts, right? Just just in that one trip. Now, what happens if I'm tuning my recurve? Well, I've got to cut it an eighth inch at a time, and sometimes that's 12 times. I mean, 10 times an arrow, you sure. know, to get that one arrow to tune. Um, and so you could spend a whole lot of money trying to get your recurve to tune. If you're spending, sitting in the bow shop, cutting it, taking back, you know, shooting it, then taking it back to them, cutting it, taking it back. You can spend a whole lot of money having them cut arrows, or you can put a saw in your garage and have your target right there. Shoot it a few times, trim it, shoot it a few times, trim it. And you're going to save yourself a whole lot of money in the long run. Absolutely, man. And, and it's there and you can, you can, you, and, and you can, you know, you can change your length of, on your arrows, even if you're, if you're shooting carbon arrows, if you're shooting, you know, a compound bow, I mean, hundred percent. yeah, I mean, you can shorten those arrows and, and, you know, get that broad head or that field tip right above the riser, if that's what you want to do. I mean, there are different things, but just to have the saw. And I mean, the other thing that goes along with that too, is once you learn how to use it, and again, it's not hard, you're going to make you're going to take your time. You're going to make cleaner cuts. It's going to be easier for you to square those when you get them from the shop, you know, than when you would get them from the shop. I, you know, I don't, 
most bow shops are great and they put out great products, but they're, they're bow shops, right? They're pro shops yeah. for, for bows. They're not arrow shops. And, you know, when you build your own arrows, you can do so many things that aren't going to get done at the bow shop when they cut the arrows for you, when they put the arrows together for you. And, and when, you know, one of those big things that's super important is squaring them after they're the never going to do that. They're, they're never going to, I mean, I, I know of one, one pro shop that, that will do that. Um, out of all, and I ask like, anytime I'm talking, you know, dealing with people that are, that are either ordering custom arrows from me, having me build them, or they're just getting into this. And, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions. What have you done in the past? Where have you got your arrows in the past? Um, how, you know, what do they do for you? Do they do this? And most people don't really know. Um, but I think, you know, out of all the bow shops that I've talked to people about getting their, getting their arrows from there's, there's one that I know of that actually squares arrows. So yeah, it's, and if you, you know, people that don't know what squaring an arrow is, that that's something we can dive into also, but it definitely have a video on YouTube for that. And there's several of them out there, but you just want to make sure after you cut your arrow that the end is, is square. So you have no wobble whatsoever. Yeah. And that's something that we can uh, jump into that, just that, that process. So I buy a bow. And let's go compound um, because I get super anal about tuning my recurve arrow. So we're not even going to try to get into that. Yeah. Um, let's go compound. Somebody just bought the new compound. Um, we'll say it's the Execute 32. Um, they've bought their their bow and they're planning out the arrow build. First off, as they begin to even select the shaft, what's your process look like? Um, so I think the most important thing is, is once you decide, you know, do your research on what brand you want, what manufacturer shaft you want. Um, there's, you know, there's some great ones out there. Obviously, there's there's a bunch of them out there. Um, once you kind of figure out what direction you're going as far as manufacturer goes, they all have, um, you know, a, a spine index chart. So every one of those will will have an, an index chart that tells you what spine you should, what spine your arrow should be, depending on, you know your draw length, the poundage of the bow, uh, et cetera. All those things kind of come together to make sure that you get the right spined arrow. So you end up just, when I, when I first started doing this a long time ago, there wasn't a whole lot of different spined arrows. You know, we're talking aluminum arrows. And, uh, just, so you do, just, just so if you don't you know go. what he's talking about. There you go. Um, you go to a spine chart. And again, this would be on any archery, any arrow manufacturer's website. This is Deer Crossing Archeries. Um, so. There is your chart, and here's what I like. Um, I don't, I don't know that other bow companies do this or not, um, but I like that that air, that uh, Deer Crossing Archery does because we're getting into so FOC driven arrow builds and heavyweight arrow builds. I yep. mean, I just told you I'm going 620 with 175 out front in the broadhead, and like I think it was like 140 in the in the insert. Anyways, since we're going to such big, heavy arrows, uh, sometimes you look at this and you're like, well, is it still true if I'm running a 200-grain broadhead? No. Right. Um, so so here's, the, here's their rule of thumb. I don't know if you live by this or not. Add three pounds of draw weight for every 25 grains above a 100-grain broadhead. So therefore, if I'm going to run a 200-grain broadhead, um, which I'm going to be running the the single bevel 175 bear razor head. So if I'm going 175, um, then I need to add nine pounds of draw weight. So if I'm pulling 70, um, then I'm going to look at 79. 
um, and then go across to my draw length at 28 and boom, I need to be shooting a 200 spine arrow with, oh, sorry, 300, um, spine arrow, which is, I'm actually going to be shooting a 200 because I'm adding some weight in the insert as well. So that would bump me over right. anyways. Um, yeah, so no, yeah. I agree with that. I agree with the, the, you know, that's the three, three pounds of draw weight for every 25 grains above a hundred makes it, it's a simple, you know, simple math. Um, and it, and it works. And that's, you know, when you're looking at that, and that's what I was going to say, when you're looking at one of those charts, a lot of that's going to vary. And if anybody, you know, when you're building your arrows, or if you have any questions about that, I can help, you know, help with spine selection um, just by knowing what we're doing, you know, what you're going to do as far as, because the weight of an arrow has a, a drastic effect on, you know, what spine you need to, you know, you need to shoot, right. especially the, the front end weight of an arrow, because, you know, you have the paradox when that arrow is coming off of the bow, it's, it's doing this when it comes off. Right. And that's yeah. because of that weight in that front, it's pushing from the rear to the front. And that arrow is just, there's so much weight in the front, it's going to do this. And then it's going to straighten out as it goes. But the more weight you have in the front, the more paradox you're going to get, which means you need to have a stiffer arrow. Cause if you have right. too much paradox, you're never going to get an accurate shot. By, and we've went over this in depth on, uh, on arrow building for your traditional bows, um, went in this in depth, but essentially if you're adding weight to the front of the arrow, you're weakening the spine of that arrow. Correct. And if you're taking away weight, then you're stiffening the spine. Same with cutting it. If I cut it, I'm stiffening it. And if I make it longer, then I'm weakening it. So if you get a 200 spine arrow, so if I get that 200 spine arrow, at 28 inches and I'm like, man, it's a little, little weak. Then I can trim it back a little bit, um, and, and stiffen that up a little bit, or I can change the weight of the broadhead a little bit. So just because you had this arrow build in mind and you said, okay, I want to shoot a 200 spine rupture from deer crossing archery, and I'm going to run 175 grains out front. And then you get that. And it's just too weak of an arrow. You can still work with that 200 spine arrow. Don't think, oh, I got to throw these away and buy new arrows. You might have to change the broadhead weight a little bit. You might have to change the insert weight a little bit. You might have to cut and cut that arrow down a little bit. Or um, you can you know, reduce your 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 draw weight too. Yeah, reduce your draw weight. I've done that before. Um, and so there's a lot of things you can do. Um, yeah, a lot of people, I would say, sorry, go ahead. A lot of people get stuck on a number. Um, and a lot of different things, you know, whether it be the weight of the arrow, the weight of the broadhead, the, their draw weight, um, everybody gets stuck on a number. I want to be at this number. That's when you're tuning your arrows and your bow with your arrows, you know, tuning your arrows to your bow, there's a lot of things you can change. And, right. You know, yeah. Oh, I want to shoot a 75 pound bow. Well, I want to shoot a bow that's going to, that's going to be as accurate as possible. Right. And if that means I need to go down to 72 because that's why my arrow you know, my arrow shoot the best at 72, then I'm going to do that. So we need to get away from the numbers. We need to get away from having a 200 grain or 150 grain broadhead and, and actually tune the arrows to your bow and use the numbers that, that work the best to give you the most accurate shot. Yeah. I, um, I fell into that one year really hard with my recurve because I wanted to shoot a, a specific broadhead. Well, it was the, I really wanted to shoot a 125 cutthroat from uh, Tom Clum at Rocky Mountain. I really wanted to shoot that broadhead and I really wanted to shoot a full length arrow. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, because, uh, and we can, that's a whole different ball game pitch of the bow for point right. on determines length of the arrow, all that stuff. But anyways, 
Um, and I was so I was stuck on the broadhand and I was stuck on the length of the arrow. And that, that's just never going to work. Right. Um, you know, I had to cut the arrow down to get the broadhead to fly right, or I had to change the broadhead to get the arrow to fly right at full length. And so, um, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Quit quit just sticking on one number and saying, well, man, I decided I was going to shoot 620 grain arrow this year. Um, if I start tuning that bow, that arrow might end up being 570 or 670. Sure. I mean, I, I might have to change it to, to get that bow to drive tax. Absolutely. Um, and what's great is, you know, like, and you, other people do this too, but I sell, um, you know, field tips, basically, I think they're 35 cents a piece, anywhere from 100 or 85 grains all the way up to 210 grains, right? So you can buy a couple of each. And, test kit. And yeah, basically you can build your own test kit. I do have a test kit too, but um, you can build your own test kit and, you know, shoot those different weighted arrows in the front, you know, the different field tip weights and see which one shoots the best and see what, yeah. how you get more accurate, you know, the most accurate weight and then go, then buy your broadhead to, to match that weight. Then, you know, you're going to have the most accurate shot. Right. Um, so I would say you've picked your bow and when you just start this arrow build, I think the first thing you need to ask yourself is what am I going to be hunting with this? Sure. Um, if you're going to be hunting elk, don't build a sting at 300 grain arrow um, right. or, or a 250. Uh, don't build a, a light little whistle that goes to the air. Uh, build yourself a meat missile that's going to pound through anything you shoot at. Um, if you're hunting whitetail, sure, you can get away with buzzing a fast one through it. You know, I mean, you can get away with that type of thing. But you have to decide, what am I going to be hunting? Um, how am I going to be hunting? Um, am I shooting a ground from a ground blind? Am I shooting inside of 20 yards? Am I, you know, am I going to shoot past 60? Am I going to shoot, you know, if a, if a big bull elk steps out of 80, am I going to let her rip? Uh, all of that comes into play when you start worrying about your arrow. Now I, it should come into play for many of you thugs. You just out there, pick a cool looking arrow and shoot it. Um, and you don't worry about all that stuff. All of that needs to come into mind when you start building your arrows out. Um, that's why we bounce arrows off of deer because we, we didn't consider the sharpness of our broadhead and, and the weight of our arrow and don't anyways, we won't go on an arrow rant like that, but, um, <laughs> so what's the process? I've got my execute 32 sitting here in front of me. I've got my ruptures from deer crossing. What's my process now? Spinning, squaring, fletching, cutting. What do you do? Okay. I'll just go through the whole process and try to do, do it. it. To try to do it semi-quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. So you've got your arrows. You've got your bear shafts now. Um, you know your draw length. That's the thing. I mean, you have to know your arrow length. Like even for me to build your own arrows, once you figure out your draw length, you know, and, and the length you want your arrows, because it's different for everybody. Do you, do you want it to hang over the riser an inch? Do you want to, you want that broadhead right above the riser? Once you figure that part out, then we go to cutting, right? So you're going to spin them first. Um, I'm a very firm believer in pretty much every arrow manufacturer out there. There are a couple of exceptions. There are a couple of them that are tapered. Um, so you can't cut from both ends, but I'm a big believer in cutting the bad part off of the arrow, no matter whether that's the front part of the arrow, the back part of the arrow, or if you need to cut a little bit out of both to get to, uh, you know, that length that you need your arrow length. So basically you're going to put them on a spinner. Um, it, individually, you're going to have your silver Sharpie with you. You're going to spin, spin that arrow on the spinner and you're going to look for a wobble. 
look at both ends, spin both ends. One end's probably going to be straighter than the other one. One end may be perfect. They, mo they both may be great. You may not have any wobble. Then cut from the front if that's what you want to do. Um, but mark your arrows, you know, which, which end needs to be cut. If it's both ends, again, mark both ends so you know you're cutting both ends off. Um, do that with all, you know, however many arrows, six dozen, whatever it is. And you'll know that you're going to make the straightest arrows by cutting the bad parts off the arrow. So that's, that's critical for me when I'm building arrows. I mean, I have to ask the question if somebody's having a custom, having me build custom arrows, if they, because some people are just really, um, you know, they're very aesthetic driven and they want the arrows to all look the same. They want them to look cool. Please don't cut off the back. I want every one of them cut off the front. That's fine. If you know what you're getting into, but not every one of them is going to be, that's you know, fine as straight as care, possible. That's fine if you care more about looks than killing and stuff. Exactly. Accuracy is key for me. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to cut whatever I need to cut to get the wobbles off, to get the straightest arrow I can. So everybody gets to realize that most, most arrows come from a larger blank. Some of them come from a 60 inch blank. Some of them come from a 50 inch blank, but they're cut at the factory and they cut the middle out of that arrow because that's going to be the straightest part of the arrow, right? The stiffest part of the arrow. And they're going to send that out, but that doesn't mean that they're perfectly straight. They're not always perfectly straight. I guarantee you 95% of the arrows you put on a spinner that are blank shafts that you haven't done anything to, you're going to find a wobble on one end or the other or both. So we're trying to eliminate that to get them to spin, you know, as, as tight and as fast as possible without any wobble to, you know, for accuracy reasons. So we take them to the saw, we cut the bad parts off, whatever that is. Uh, now we've got our cut shaft, our cut bear shaft. Um, we want to square the ends. Um, and again, you know, check out the YouTube videos I have because it goes through this pretty, pretty well. But basically what you're doing is you're making sure that that shaft is at a 90 degree angle into that shaft at a 90 degree angle to a, a squaring device, which is basically an emery board, sandpaper, that type of thing. Um, you're going to, you know, you're going to spin that thing to, to square that arrow up. I typically, the best thing to do is take a silver Sharpie. And if that's the end of the arrow, just run that silver Sharpie around the end of that arrow put it on that squaring device, spin it a couple of times, take a look at it. Once all that silver Sharpie has gone, then it's square. Do both ends. Now, every once in a while, you're not going to cut them all perfectly square. Uh, you'll have a burr here and there. Um, you know, some of them will be off just a little bit, depending on how you pull them off the saw. But the key is to get those square so that when your inserts meet the end of that carbon, into that shaft, everything's on there square. If that shaft, the end of that shaft has any little, burr on it or anything to offset the way that um you know that insert hits it's going to it's going to cause a wobble right which right. creates inaccuracy so yeah squaring both ends even if you don't cut the back or you don't cut the front never trust the factory always square them if you get your arrows cut from a shop and you're building them square both ends no i can't tell you how many times that i've found you know the back end is usually pretty usually pretty square everybody you know nobody really worries about that because it's the fletched end it's the knock end but the knock needs to be square too anything that's not square is going to cause a wobble now my biggest pet peeve no i've already said my biggest my second biggest pet peeve is when somebody says yeah but i'll never shoot the difference okay so you're telling me you don't want to put in an extra 10 minutes of work right because you may never shoot the difference but here's the problem is a deer will feel the difference. And what I mean by that is an arrow that's coming at a deer like this is going to get a lot better penetration than an arrow that hits a deer like this. 
or like this or like that. I mean, if it's flying as perfectly straight as it can, it's going to go deeper and further and faster through that deer rather than if it hits a deer at any sort of angle. And I promise you, if your knock is not sitting flush against the back of your arrow, there will be times, not every time. I don't, I don't believe you might be, you might correct me on that, but there will be times where you walk up to your target and you're like, why is that arrow sticking in there? Just a little funny. Well, because it flew just a little funny because mm-hmm. not everything was square. Not everything was straight. Not everything was perfect. Um, and there, dude, I've seen guys and you walk up to their targets, their arrows in the target and they're sticking like this, every which different direction. And, and like Dan said, the slightest little burr of in, inside that arrow or the, or the, the, if, if the tip of that arrow is a little bent or wobbly, I mean, it can change the way that arrow flies every single time. And so you, you may not be able to shoot the difference. You may not, but I promise you, um, it does make a difference. It, Absolutely. And you know, I mean, we're accuracy is key, right? You want the, the most ethical shot that you can make. We do, the animals deserve that. Right. So, and we all know deer jump a string. You, I mean, things happen, right? You want to get as close to that point that you're aiming at as possible um, every time you shoot. And if you're not going to take the extra two to three minutes that it takes to square both ends of your arrow, you're not going to get that every time. And it's super simple. I mean, that's, you know, the spinning and squaring of the arrows are, that's, that's the, the most important part of building your own arrows. It's the key to it, to making sure that you have eliminated the wobble, you know, the worst parts of the arrow. And then you've already done that part. Why not go that extra step and make sure that you have cut them correctly and that they're square and that when you put your components in, everything's going to fit seamlessly like it's supposed to, um, you know, make, make that, make that happen. Do that. And nobody, you're not going to get that from a shop. If shop builds your arrows for you, that's not going to happen. They're not going to square them. They're going to, they're going to insert them. They're going to knock them and they're going to send them down the road and you're going to have flyers. And that's, that's, that's the biggest reason, um, you know, right there. So question, what's the best, the best, the best glue that money can buy for inserts and outserts? Uh, I know that boning is a sponsor and you're a big boning guy. They make great glues, but uh, goat tough, goat tough is the best glue you can buy. Now both, they both insert a, and both insert and uh, vein glue. I believe GoTuff makes an insert glue. Do they not? Like yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's for inserts, outserts, yeah. and it's a black, like rubberized glue. Is it not? Yeah, Perfect. and it's solid. I mean, you know, if you use the GoTuff insert glue, uh, the impact glue to glue in your inserts. Don't ever think you're going to get them back. I believe I have some of the insert outsert glue um and i believe no i think i use just the boning for fletchings um yeah i mean most of the glues are similar you know it's it's all you know that's it's all kind of a, a they're, they're they're based on different polymers some of them but they're all kind of a super glue especially when you get into the bang glues what i will tell everybody is do not use the same glue to fletch your arrows as you do to glue oh. your inserts in. Dang it. It's Pine Ridge Archery insert glue. I was wrong. Hey, it's an insert glue. That's, you know, I think the key thing for people to understand is don't use one glue for both things. The polymers are different for an insert glue uh, than what they are for, you know, a vein glue. They, they have d- two different functions. They're gluing different types of, um, you know, 
different types of ingredients or whatever. So, I mean, you're talking about a, a vein that's, you know, that's basically plastic gluing to carbon or aluminum or wood or whatever. And then on the other end, you're, you're gluing, you're, you're gluing metal to metal, you're bonding, you know, or metal right. to carbon. So. Well, and the problem is with regular super glue, like you would put on your veins, um, which a lot of guys don't understand this. If you use that for your inserts, what happens is you're pounding that insert into the target every time. And that super glue will actually just break. Yeah. Um, which is why I said it's a black rubberized glue because that, can bounce and um what's what i'm looking for yeah. there the polymers are just different. impact it, it, yeah it takes it takes impact that's why they're called an impact adhesive because they'll take the impact where the super glue won't the super glue will just crumble over time yeah for sure. so we've spun we've squared and we've cut away the bad parts what's next so now we're gonna we're gonna put our insert outsert uh half out whatever it is that you're using so we're gonna glue that we already know we've got a square end, so that's easy. I mean, the key there, what I would say, and we just kind of talked about it, but reiterate, make sure you use the the right type of glue when you're putting your, uh, you know, your inserts, outserts in. Now, there, if you're using just a, a, a typical insert um, that's basically, you know, an eighth of an inch uh, exposed as you put it in, or if you're doing, you know, a deep six or something where there's no, you don't see your insert um, sticking out, then it's, you know, then we just glue it, um, spin it, you know, turn it as you're gluing it in. And then I always do what, what we call a double tap, you know, just kind of upside down, tap that arrow, hit it a couple of times, that insert a couple of times against your table, make sure it's seated well. Um, and then going back one, one step, though, because this is critical as well, make sure your knock's out. Remove your knock. Never glue your insert with your knock in. Um, your knock should always be up. Air pistoning. So if you think about it, you've got your knock back there, you're gluing your insert, you're, you're sticking your insert in, well, you've trapped air in there, right? Yeah. So that air will actually piston and you'll set that arrow, you'll set it off to the side after you've glued it and you'll go back and that sucker's lifted up an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch because that air needs to get out and there's no way to get out. So it's going to push the path of, least, path of least resistance and that's that wet glue. So make sure your knock is out. Always make sure you're not there. Huh. I don't know if you it sound is. really smart or if you're just bullcrapping me to the point where I'm like, dang, Dan is smart. <laughs> no, it's it's the truth, man. It's it's happened to me many times. I learned the hard way. So is there any truth to this? Um, because what I do is I put the insert outsert on that shaft and then I spin it um, before I glue. True. Absolutely. Sure. Well, I was going to get to that too, but... okay. I went through the insert first because a lot of inserts, there's not enough there to actually spin test it, to actually, you know, spin outsert tests or insert tests. Um, but if you have a half out or you're using an actual outsert, something that, um, you know, is exposed, you want to make sure that it's seated as, as, you know, as flush as possible. And you can spin test them. You can spin tune them. So basically what you're saying is you take that outsert or the sleeve or whatever it is you're using before you glue it put it on, put it on your spinner and, and spin it a little bit. And you'll see, um, you may not, but a lot of times you'll see a little bit of wobble and you can just turn that thing about an eighth of a turn, spin it again. And you can do that several times. It may take you one or two times. It may take you four or five times, but you'll reduce or eliminate that wobble completely as long as that insert or that outsert is square. Um, and what you can do when you get to that point where, Hey man, that thing's spinning great now take that silver sharpie again and draw a line across your shaft and that outsert 
so that you know when you glue it together, you want to line those, you know, those two marks up, and then it's going to be it's going to be as square as possible. And then what you have here, after you've done all this, is what you have here is you've prioritized your arrows, and you know I've got the best shooting arrow that I can possibly have. If all else goes to crap, my arrows are going to be shooting the best they can be shooting. Whether I'm shooting bad or whether, no matter what, these arrows right. are built because I've prioritized them because I've I've made sure, you know what? At the end of the day, this is the only thing that contacts that animal. I'm going to prioritize this and I'm going to make this a priority in my hunting arsenal, and put the time and effort in. No matter what else happens, you've got confidence that that arrow is built the best way that it can be built. Oh man, and especially when you start shooting them. Like when you build your own arrows and you start seeing the difference in the groups that you have with the arrows, you know, compared to the arrows that you bought from a shop or just, you know, pre-fletched stuff you buy out of a box or whatever, it's, it's crazy. As long as your bow's tuned, you know, that's the key thing. You know, the bow has to be tuned, right? As long as your bow's tuned and you're, and you build your own arrows and you get them tuned right and cut right, you're going to, the groups are going to be drastically different. You're going to be surprised. You're, yeah. you know, the flyers are going to go away. You know, unless you have, you know, something that you just had a, had an issue with when you're building an arrow and it could possibly be an outsert um, that's a little bit out of square. You couldn't get one to not spin without wobbling. Um, you know, you, you keep a mental note of those. Or when I'm building arrows, I always use that Sharpie for other things, too. I'll write a number on it. Like when I'm in, when I'm building, when I'm gluing inserts or outserts and I'm spinning them, especially with, you know, when I'm spinning outserts or sleeves, if there's one that I can't get perfect, then I'm going to mark it. So that I know when I, you know, cause, cause I'll, I'll use wraps that with numbered wraps. So I'm going to build my arrows with knowing that, you know, trying to get them to the best, like number, my, my number one arrow is going to be the best tuned arrow before I fletched it. Right. My number two arrow is going to be the second best, that type of thing. I mean, you can always keep a mental note afterwards too, when you're shooting them and that, and it may change when you start shooting them, you may have arrows that, that shoot a little bit better and keep a mental note. It's nice to have, the numbers on them so that you know okay i'm going out with you know number one three and five because those are my three best shooting arrows or you know with that yeah. but yeah when you're tuning them you want to keep a mental note of how that build is going together for sure because there can be some you know you can get a flyer here and there even when you're building your own because not all of your components are going to be absolutely perfect most of them right. are but occasionally they won't be now um before we move on let me give a shout out to my friends over at Muddy. Um, I have long since, pretty much if you've hunted, you've heard of Muddy. And I have long since used Muddy tree stands, ground blinds, trail cameras. Um, I've just loved them uh, because I know that if I see the name Muddy on it, I can trust it. It's going to be high quality. It's going to perform well. Um, we're getting to that time of year where we sit all day in tree stands. I love a good, comfortable tree stand. This new hype about light and small, I could care less. I want to sit in a tree stand and be as comfortable as possible. And Muddy makes my sits comfortable. Whether it's a hang-on or a climb-on, their stands are very comfortable. I can sit in them all day. They've got back support. They've got cushioned seats. They've got the net seats where I can adjust the tension. They're comfortable, and I love them. I really could care less about how light they are or how small they are. I want something comfortable that I can be in and be still in all day. Uh, because the more comfortable I am, the stiller I'm going to be, the stiller I am, the more successful I'll be. That's what it comes down to for me. Um, so go check out Muddy. Um, if you need trail cameras, tree stands, ground blinds, 
anything um, that you use in the woods, pretty much muddy makes it. And if it says muddy, you can trust it. Um, so my fletching configuration on the new rupture, which I might add, I don't think I said it's a 204. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a 204 diameter. I'm going to be running the ethics outserts because, well, because I care about my arrows. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I just love this, the system. Um, it's a 204 spine or, or a 204 diameter. And I'm going to be shooting a four fletch with a three inch Bronco vein from boning. Um, I shot that two years ago and I loved the way it flew. It whisper quiet, stabilized my arrow really fast. I, I love that. Um, we have done all of this before we have gotten to the point of fletching our arrows. Right. So prep work for fletching, uh, I believe is something that's, that's uh, not looked at a lot. You know, we just, we just throw on the wraps and start fletching. What do you do to the carbon to prep it for the wraps? And what do you do to the wrap to prep it for the veins? Um, so, I mean, you want to clean your shaft. I mean, basically that's, that's the bottom line. Um, you know, acetone, when you're, when you're building your own arrows, acetone is going to become your, your best friend, uh, acetone and Q-tips and a silver Sharpie, those things you want to, you want to grab at the store for sure. Um, yeah, you just, you just want to make sure that before you, before you either, if you're, you're going bare, you know, if you're just going with veins, um, with no wrap either, either, or, or with the wrap, um, just make sure that, you know, you, you get some acetone on a rag, wipe it down really good, clean that, clean that back into that shaft off really, really good. Make sure there's no, no carbon residue on it, nothing, you know, just whatever that can get on a shaft, even just, just the grease from your hands. You'll be amazed when you look at that rag, how much black yep. is on that because you're just rubbing off all the, I mean, think about it. You just cut it. So the, all the dust from the carbon that you just cut, uh, is on there and all the grease from your hands and oils from your hands. And, and that's why your veins aren't sticking well. So prep that, prep that, prep that. Um, and then, and then either, or, you know, you can go on with the wrap, uh, and then veins to the wrap or, um, you know, just veins, veins right on. I think the key thing to that is again, glue, Make sure you're using the right adhesive. Make sure you're using a vein adhesive um, when you're when you're put, putting your veins on, whether they're going directly onto the carbon or going on a wrap. Either one. Um, the wraps typically don't need much uh, much prep. Uh, just use a dry cloth uh, and and wipe those off, clean those off. You know, you can once you got the wraps on, you can kind of put some pressure on that cloth and just you know really clean them off. Um, you put anything any chemical on it or anything, it's gonna you know you're gonna lose. Either you're going to lose some of the color, you're going to lose the coating. And most of the wraps have a coating that's designed to um, help the glue, the vein glue adhere, uh, you know, to the, adhere the vein to the wrap better yeah. than even it does to carbon, believe it or not. So, yeah, just make sure don't put anything on those veins. I mean, on the on the wraps, just clean them off with a dry cloth and make sure they're clean. Now, what do you recommend um, as far as fletching practices go? What do you what do you tell people? As far as how, I don't know if you have flesh. any, I don't know if you have any mind blowing tips like my whole take my <laughs> knockoff before I put my inserts on. The only the only thing that I would uh, make sure. Well, I mean, there's there's process obviously. Make sure uh, that the glue channel and your veins are clean. Uh, now there are a couple of uh, manufacturers out there that have a certain vein uh, type that does not they they say do not clean the vein channel you know the glue channel on the vein um but 
99% of the veins before you glue them, you know, before you actually fletch them, again, Q-tip and acetone, or you can use a primer pin. That's basically the same thing. AAE sells a primer pin. Uh, AAE is always, is also the, the manufacturer that has the hybrid um, vein, which does not require priming or cleaning um, because it actually has, it has some, it has chemical in there that helps adhere. It helps, it helps the glue bond. So they don't want you to clean that off. Um, but 99% of the rest of your veins, that glue channel, you want to flip it over and take a Q-tip with some acetone and just rub it up and down that, you know, that glue channel real quick to make sure that that's super clean so that when it, when you glue it, it's going to bond correctly. And you'll be surprised when you do that, the stuff that comes off of the, the glue channels. And yeah. Those veins. You'll you see it. Usually it's yellow, um, for whatever reason, but you'll see, you'll definitely see, you know, some dirt and stuff like that come off those. So make sure you, it's just like everything else. And, you know, I want to go back one step to when we were talking about installing inserts and outserts and stuff, that's critical as well. Make sure you clean the inside of your shaft out that Q-tip acetone, get all that carbon dust out. Otherwise you're not going to, you know, your glue is not going to bond like it should. So basically the same thing on the other side with the vein channel and those veins, you want to make sure that your shaft is super clean and that the vein channels are super clean too. So you get great, you know, great bonding. Now, Dan, I, I ask every one of my guests, what's a tip, a hunting 101 pro tip field note that you've got for us? Um, and I think it goes without saying that that mine is prioritize your arrows. We've talked, it's been kind of our whole theme of today. Um, but when it comes to building your own arrows, you've already given me a mind-blowing tip of take my knockoff. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's that one, like hunting 101, you're going to start building your own arrows. What's that tip that you've got for them? If you can do it um, and it's not super hard, take the time. It's, it's, it's pretty time consuming, but knock tune your arrows. Um, and we can, that's a, that's a big rabbit hole to go down to, to try to explain, you know, without having video and stuff like that. But um, knock tuning each individual arrow before you fletch them, um, shooting them through paper. Uh, and just basically what you're doing is you're finding your spine finding the stiffest part of that arrow and making sure that it's at 12 o'clock um, before you fletch your arrows. And that's basically what it boils down to. And then that's going to, that's going to create the best groups that you can possibly shoot. When, once you have every arrow spine aligned, you know, victory, there's a couple of them out there that actually do spine aligning. Um, they, they show you where the, the spine is, where that 12 o'clock part of the arrow, sh you know, shaft should be when you're shooting it, the stiffest part of the arrow. But the, the, the best way to get, get there is to, to actually knock tune and shoot through paper with, you know, a bare shaft. And that's, that's, that's a rabbit hole. I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, you're, you're doing everything you can possibly do when you get to that point to make sure that every single arrow you build is flying as straight as it'll possibly fly. But again, why wouldn't you? Like, right. I, I understand it takes time, but this is the stuff I love. Like I love, it used to be my basement, going down to my basement to do it. Now it's going to be my garage uh, as I build out my my arrow building area there. Uh, but I love going down to my basement at night when the kids are in bed and just tinkering with arrows, building arrows, gluing, <laughs> fletching, playing with them, shooting them. I, I, that's my, I love it. It's what I do. Like my dad, I remember uh, he would always sit there and sharpen knives. That was what he liked to do. He would just, you would just sit there and watch TV and all you'd hear is whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. He was sharpening. Mm -hmm. Mine is arrow building. I love throwing something on the TV, fletching arrows, playing with arrows. 
It's so fun. It's uh, great me time. I mean, it's great time yeah. just to get out in your shop, your garage, your basement, whatever. Play, you know, watch watch some hunting shows, turn on some music, drink a beer, whatever. Just kind of just tinker, like you said. It's make it fun. You know, it's not it's not a job. It's 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 actually fun. Yeah, hundred percent. Dan, where can they find you at, man? Super easy, aerojunkie.com. Um, on Instagram, it's arrow underscore junkie. Do a, I do most of my social media on Instagram and uh, YouTube as well as just arrow junkie. He's got, not only does he have all the tools for you to build your own arrows, but the sickest swag on planet Earth. <laughs> I do have some cool shirts. I get more compliments on your shirts than anything else in my life. I love it. Love it. Oh, they're the best. Guys, go check out Arrow Junkie. Uh, it's November 2nd, guys, so absolutely get out into the woods. This is the time. We don't wait. We don't We don't say, oh, man, It's we go out in the woods. Uh, so get out there. Start hunting. Uh, it's the best time to be alive, um, A, because it's November 2nd, and the Razorbacks tip off basketball season November 6th, and we're still playing football. It's just a great time to be alive. So uh, get out in the woods. Uh, as always, I want to share in your success. So make sure and send me your field photos, your harvest photos. Um, but guys, thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week.